Well, today we are looking at Mark chapter 11, and when you're reading this with the idea of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, I was reading through this, and when I thought of the word, the thought of the understanding, he knows what's happening. <laughs> he he comes knowing what is going to happen. You know, sometimes we well, when I watch the uh, some of the History Channel and the whatever those channels are, that they you know they want to explain to you the scriptures. <laughs> they want to explain to you about Jesus. They want to explain to you about the time of Christ and things like that. And most of them, many of them, approach it from a, while Jesus didn't really have an alternative, he was losing his crowds, and he was kind of falling behind. So in order to keep the crowds coming and to sustain this faith that people had in him, he, you know, he kind of made himself uh, become an enemy of the Jewish people to have him crucified by the Romans. <laughs> it was like he had lost control of the crowd and he was losing popularity and this was a last-ditch effort and he basically failed because they killed him. And, <laughs> you know, when you're looking at those things or watching them, we need to know the scriptures, and there are a lot of things. There's one coming on tonight, killing Jesus, and then there's, there's another one. What's that? A.D. is after the death of Christ, but uh, it's not what A.D. means, but after the death of Christ and the beginning of the church, there's another series coming of that, and of course, the passion that will be playing, I'm sure, uh, from you know, how the Christ was crucified in the last, you know, the hours before Days, the last 24 hours before Christ's crucifi crucifixion. And it's hard for us to imagine that he comes knowing. He comes into this situation knowing what's coming, knowing what's going to happen. Do any of us, any of you ever get anxious? You know that tomorrow's coming, and tomorrow you have a special occasion. You have a difficult occasion. You have problems that have to be met tomorrow. Anyhow, you, we get anxious, okay? We become anxious about what's going to happen, what's going to happen next. Think of it in, even in our society with uh, our government and uh, local officials or crime or, or problems in our society. We, we, people can become very anxious about what's happening next. How am I going to prepare myself for it? Jesus doesn't come into this holy week anxious. He comes knowing that this is the reason he has come to become, a, well, how he came to be as a child, born in a manger. He knows that this is the purpose for his life. He knows that this is before him. He knows from the very beginning of time that this is what he will do as a sacrifice for mankind, humankind, so that we can have eternal life. When God looks at us, he sees our entire life. He sees us entirely. Our faults, our failures, our falling down, our getting up, everything is there. He sees it all, and it doesn't stop him from loving us. In fact, he loves us more than we can ever know, 
And anything that would get in the way of that love, he, he, um, he doesn't put it there. It's the enemy of our soul. It's our wrong thinking. It's our mistaken identity. It's our old nature. It's any of those things that come, in, come into play that cause us to doubt his love for us. <laughs> if we ever thought that God didn't love us, just read these passages. If we ever think that God doesn't hear us, read the passages of Holy Week and of his crucifixion and of his resurrection. And we see in this whole scenario how much God is willing to pay, willing to do, so that we would not have to suffer like he is going to. When I was writing this book that I have. Um, it isn't published yet, so don't worry. I'll give you all an opportunity to buy a copy. Double the price, because I need the money. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's a joke. <laughs> money to pay for the publication. That's what it means. You know. It isn't like the book company came after me and says, we want to publish your book, and we're going to give you a million bucks. I said, yes. And you know, like that commercial, wish I had a million bucks and there's a million deer standing in the hall out in there. That's, that's what I got. I got three bucks, neighborhood bucks. They walk around our yard. That's what I got. But um, in there, one of the things that I've thought of in this whole scenario when Jesus is in the garden, when Jesus is in the garden praying and he sweats great drops of blood and he says to the Father, Father, let this cup pass for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What is the cup that Jesus doesn't want to drink of? What is the cup of, that Jesus doesn't want to have? Well, we know that he comes to be a sacrifice. We know that he is well aware of the pain and suffering that's going to accompany the crucifixion. And, and many times I've thought of that as, well, that's the cup that Jesus doesn't want to to drink of. He doesn't want the pain. He doesn't want the suffering. He, you know, it's, it's going to be excruciating. That's from a human perspective. That's just me thinking of that. But one other thought that came to me was that the cup that Jesus doesn't want to drink, he doesn't want to drink of the cup of separation from the Father. For when Jesus receives the sin of humanity upon him, he becomes the sacrifice. The Father turns his back on him. Night, well, day turns to night because the Father doesn't look at sin. And it's in that moment of separation from the Father is something that Jesus and the Father have never experienced in all of eternity. And that cup of separation is the hardest cup anyone will ever drink. And in our lives, in, in talking and being with those who grieve over the death of a loved one, if you take all of the grief and all of the sorrow that any person has in their life, all people have had in their life over the death and separation of someone they love, and you put it in one cup, it still would not equate to the cup of sorrow that Jesus experienced was separation from the Father. And that separation is so 
that happens between God the Father and the Son. It is that cup of separation that Jesus drinks so that we would never experience the depth of that sorrow. We would never have to experience the depth of that sorrow because Jesus has promised to comfort those who mourn. God has promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that I will be your brother, your sister, your mother, your brother. I will be whatever the loss is in your life. I will be that and more to you. Because in the coming of Jesus into our life, he brings to us such assurance and such blessing and such comfort that it lessens the intensity of that sorrow, of that brokenness. And that is why we as children of God, as people, as believers, we have hope. We have hope. We have hope that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We have an assurance that just reaches not only the depths of our mind, the depths of our soul, it reaches to every being, every part of our being, that the Spirit of God comes with healing and comes with restoration and comes with comfort and love and assurance, and it just permeates every cell in our body. And it's there, and it's in that situation we have our hope. We have our blessing. We have this understanding that there is, even though my loved ones are separated, but it's only for a time. And what Jesus experienced, he experienced for the entire humanity. He experienced the separation that mankind would have if there were no redemption if there were no sacrifice. He experienced that. And in that experience, he took it upon himself so that we would never have it. <laughs> so that we would never have that. Now, to those who reject Christ, to those they, you know, that say, there is no God, there is no Jesus, I don't need any salvation, they will experience that separation because they took that from God. God, we don't believe in you, so therefore we take what you paid for us and we bring it back upon ourselves. We take that separation, we take that hell, and we want it. We earn the right. The wages of sin is death. And they earn the right for separation from God. They take that upon themselves. Eternal separation. But for those who are believers... We take the life that is in Christ. We receive the gift of life in Christ. And it comes to us in Jesus, in his word, in his love. And we have hope. We have hope. We have hope. Not a wishful hope. We have a hope that is greater than life, stronger than death, that it is a hope that sustains us. It's not wishful. It is a certainty. The Bible talks about that Jesus is coming back again, the blessed hope. What it means is that there is a definite time in the future that Jesus is going to return. And he, we are living in anticipation of that return. That is our hope. It is a definite event that is going to happen and God has told us about it. Whenever we read the scriptures about the birth of Christ, 
When we read the scriptures in the Old Testament, it says that a virgin shall conceive. And it talks about that he was born in Bethlehem. Those were declarations of a promise given to an Old Testament prophet that were in anticipation of something happening. It was an event that was going to happen sometime in their future, and they lived in hope that Jesus would come. And he did. And it's even foretold that his death and his crucifixion would be there, and it was foretold that these events would happen. And so the scriptures determined, and Jesus came, and he fulfilled the scriptures of which it was written of him. (laughs) Even the scripture that we have that he would come riding on a donkey. It's, it's foretold in Scripture that he would come. That he would come. When they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you, and as soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never yet been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks... What are you doing? Say, the master needs him and will return him right away. <laughs> Jesus, knew, Jesus knows exactly what's happening. He knows the events. He knows the transactions. He knows what's going to happen. Down to the event that there's a donkey tied at the, at the, the house there. When you go into town on the right-hand side, there's a donkey tied up, and it's never been ridden. I want you to pick that one up and bring it here. <laughs> bring that. Lead that donkey here. Did any of you ever try to ride an untamed donkey, <laughs> an untamed horse? How about an untamed person? (laughs) Jump on their back. (laughs) An untamed dog, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about a pig? (laughs) Well, I can see any of you, none of you had farm animals around the house. (laughs) Untamed ostrich, (laughs) chicken. (laughs) So we find that... (laughs) this would be a mistake. You know, if Jesus is going to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, I, I certainly don't, you certainly don't want to have an untamed donkey. <laughs> He's going to make a real big mess. You know, trying to ride an untamed animal. We have horse riding, uh, what is that, broncos and things in the, in the rodeos. Uh, but we see what happens. And that untamed animals are are animals that will not allow you to ride and they will do their best to put you on the ground and they keep on going. Well, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he's not afraid of his enemies. His enemies are saying, you can read in John's Gospel, his enemies are saying, we've got to kill Jesus and we've got to kill this guy, Lazarus. People are follow, they're giving up their religion, their faith in us, and following him. So they have, a, they have a plan, they have a scheme, they have something they're going to enact and bring. You know, we've got to get him dead before this Passover season is complete. We've got to get him out of the way. So let's kill him and Lazarus. Let's get them both out of the way. So Jesus, what does he do? 
he rides into town on a donkey and thousands of people are laying their garments on the ground and palm branches on the ground saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, here comes the king. The king is riding into town. He doesn't sneak into town through the back door. He comes right in the main gate, being proclaimed as the Messiah and Hosanna. He did not sneak. He came boldly. In our life, we come boldly to God because we have the assurance that God knows. You see, <laughs> did you ever do something and your parents didn't know about it? Well, Rachel's 40 and David's 37 and last, what's that, dear? She'll be 41, you know, somewhere in there. But anyhow, a year ago, whatever, they came. Did we ever tell you about... <laughs> It's like, what? And um, David, um, sometimes you would always know when David had a very close call with death, or in a very, he'd say, Well, I really felt close to God today. <laughs> and one of, his, one of his excursions, he was with one of his friends, and they were on a route at um, Yosemite that had only been done maybe by two or three people or maybe just the guy who put it in. So I'm, I'm thinking just one person had completed this route. And so it is one of those that are just off the charts hard, difficult, meaning that there is nothing to hold on to and you're almost a mile in the air. And um, the first attempt, there was no way for them to get down and they could only go up, and they had forgotten, <laughs> they had forgotten the equipment that puts bolts into the rock and then you, that you can hook onto. They had left that. So they are putting these pieces in little cracks and stuff, so David is leading. And he gets out to this place, and he doesn't have any pieces to hold on to him, and he fell. And as he's falling through the air, these pieces of protection are pop, 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 like a zipper, popping out of the cracks. And the last one, where the guy is standing there holding the rope, holds. If that one lets go, they both fall to their death. He said, I felt close to God. <laughs> so they can't go back. They got to go forward redid the whole thing, got out to a place that there was a tree, little stub of a tree growing out of a crevice. And he said, <laughs> with that same spot where he had fallen and everything had popped, he said that he had to leap and grab hold of the tree. Or, you know, the, the tree's never been pulled on. Is this, this is going to hold us? He leaped and he grabbed hold of the tree and it held. <laughs> he put another piece of protection in and that was the key to them making this route. Couldn't go back, could only go forward. I was thinking about how that Jesus says to his disciples, go into Jerusalem and there's a colt there. <laughs> and I was wondering, God, how many years ago did a bird 
or a piece of seed from the tree fall into that crack and grow there so that at the exact time that was needed by David to reach out and grab hold of to save maybe his life and the life of his friend, it was planted there. And God put it there long before he ever needed it. And in our lives, God knows what we're facing. God knows the difficulties that we have. God knows the footing that is necessary for our life. God knows how that he has prepared a place for us in heaven. God knows all of the needs that we are ever going to face in our life. He has a solution to every need that we face. And it's all in his word. So we walk in assurance. And we climb, as it were, in assurance knowing that he will take care of us. And should we live or should we die, it doesn't, it matters, but we are always safe. And so it is God then that has each of these places there securing us so that we don't fall and that we will not fall and that it will not take us premature that we have hope of eternal life. And these are the things that we live with. He comes knowing Jesus comes into Jerusalem knowing <laughs> the disciples they're intimidated you know these are the enemies these are the enemies of of Judaism these are the enemies of Israel they have great power they have tremendous power they are in cahoots, the, the religious leaders are in cahoots in, in agreement with, it's not a, that's a new word, right? Cahoots. <laughs> Anybody have cahoots? <laughs> yeah, they're in cahoots, you know. <laughs> They've teamed up together. Anyhow, the religious leaders are teamed up with the Romans. And the disciples, they think well, they're afraid of the Romans and they're afraid of the, of the Jewish leaders because they, they want Jesus to take over. They want Jesus to come in, set up a kingdom. You know, Jesus, it, it's, you know, if we were Jesus and we had, we had friends like his, <laughs> Jesus tells them, you know what? We're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. Okay. Can I sit on your right hand and my brother sit on your left? <laughs> You know, they, they were just like, yeah, okay, you're going to die, but we want to sit on your right hand and left. And you, just, you don't know what you're asking. And in our life, we have this assurance that God is with us, and we, the things that we fear, the things that we're afraid of, God isn't afraid of. What's the Roman government at that time? Greatest power on the earth. <laughs> Soldiers and garrisons and, you know, crosses and crucifixions and beatings and, you know, just able to pillage whomever they wanted and wherever they wanted. And Jesus tried triumphantly into Jerusalem. Doesn't he know they could kill him? Don't we know that people who don't like us can cause us harm? Don't we know that nothing can separate me from God? Nothing can come between Jesus Christ and me. 
Nothing can interfere with the plan of God being fulfilled in my, in my life. As long as I am saying yes to God. As long as I am saying and agreeing with God, God is there. And even if I fail, God is still trying to get me back on course. Because he loves me that much. And he comes knowing. He comes knowing. He comes knowing. Jesus comes to each one of us knowing all of our faults and failures. He comes to every one of us and continues to love us, forgive us, encourage us, give us branches to hold on to, give us footings in our, in our, in our daily walk. He comes giving us a way that we can fulfill his will and his purpose. He comes knowing every fault in us. Doesn't matter one bit. He wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage. Say that, encourage. Do it again. Encourage. He comes to encourage us. He doesn't come to trip us. He comes to encourage us. He comes to give us strength and, and to let us know that his favor and his love and his blessing are upon, are upon my life. He has come to take the crooked places and make them straight. He is capable... He is capable of taking those people who don't like you and helping you not to let it affect your life. <laughs> Didn't say he was going to change them because they may not want God to change them. But you and I want God to change us and he can change us so that their opinions and whatever they have doesn't work against us. God has a blessing for each of our lives. And it just is an ongoing blessing. It is an ongoing thing that Jesus has for us. Now, here's the King of Kings. Here's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He speaks the world into existence. Born from a virgin. Lives his life. Raises the dead. Walks on water. The cult that he, is, that he is riding into Jerusalem, it's borrowed. When Jesus went upon the water, spoke from the water, he was in a borrowed boat. Jesus ate Passover in a borrowed chamber. He was buried in a, bor in a borrowed tomb. And he rode this donkey for a borrowed piece of time. Borrowed. Not saying that very well, but borrowed. So the King of Kings and Lord of Lords <laughs> comes to be among us, and the only thing that he owns is a clothes on his back. <laughs> because it isn't what you own that makes us. It isn't what we possess that makes us. It's who God is inside of us. It's how we pray and ask God to take care of this day, this moment. It's not in the changing of others. It's in God changing me. For how do I know that it isn't God doing a work in me by causing me to see the differences that we have in order that God can help me become? 
It's, it's, it's so important that we see the hand of God on our life. Nothing can come between you. Look at the problems you have. Look at the difficulties you have. Look at whatever you want and say, God is with me. God is in this situation, and God is going to direct me through this situation. It'd be easier to say, well, God, would you get rid of them? Be like the hit guy, you know? <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like the uh, play that, that we were at the other night <laughs> at, uh, at for Cassie at uh, Forest Hills, and the play was there, and, and, and the person you thought who was the giddy secretary that couldn't find her way out, out of the closet was the, actually the person who was the hit person preparing. Anyhow, it was a play. But anyhow, in our lives, it would be easy for us to say, hey, God, would you get rid of them? <laughs> hey, God, straighten them out. I'm perfect. They need changed. Get rid of them. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He looks at us and like the disciples. He doesn't become upset with the disciples. Jesus, can we sit on your right hand and your left? I know you're going to die, but don't worry about that. Take care of us first. And he doesn't get upset with that. Why? Because he knows what they're going to become. He knows what they're going to be. And that same thing goes on in your life and mine. God isn't done with us. We're in the process. We're in the process of becoming. God wants to bless our life. He wants to bless us so we can bless others. He wants to work through our lives. I was going to say he wants to borrow us for a while. But no, he wants us to be his servant for an eternity. And that is recognizing his ownership over this place. They went and they found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. And some of those standing there said, What are you going to do? What are you doing untying that colt? Disciples <laughs> replied, exactly as Jesus had instructed them, and the people let, it alone, let them alone. When we go about our daily life, we need to reply to each situation exactly as God has instructed us. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We need to respond exactly as we've been instructed. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing is impossible for God. God can work through every situation to his good. God is at work. Respond to the situation exactly as we have been instructed. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. There is nothing impossible for my God. There is no situation too difficult. There are no people too far away from God that he cannot reach them. There is blessing bestowed and stored up for each of our lives. And we are in the process of becoming because God has a plan for our life. He comes to our life knowing exactly what he wants to do with us, what he wants us to be, because he put inside of us everything that is necessary for us to become that. So here we are on this journey. God is ringing the bell. And he's telling us, David, 
get ready. Do what you're supposed to do here because I got blessings for you. I got purpose for you. I've got a reason for your being here. Uh, these problems, these difficult, nah, don't worry about that. I got it all under control. He comes knowing. And this week, we come knowing God is going to bless our lives. Amen? Let's stand. He comes knowing. <laughs> what do we know? Let's put it this way. What situation? Think of one situation in your life. Person, place, or thing. One person, place, or thing. One situation. Now, what scripture do you know that you can apply to that in a positive, outcoming way? Okay? Everybody got it? How many don't got it? Come up here later and you'll get it. Okay, no. <laughs> you got a problem? You got a situation? You got a scripture? Believe, come to your life, come to that knowing Jesus has it all under control. He'll guide you through that. He may change it. He may provide for you to go through it. He may give you the strength to deal with it and go around it, he will give to you what is necessary to deal with that situation, that person. Do you believe that? Ooh. <laughs> Do you believe that? Amen. God bless you. Then we got palms for you. <laughs>